0: Our two Indies are from opposite sides of the country. What unites them is that they've both been fated by the British Book Awards. The Book Hive in Norwich was the winner of the East of England Award last year, and Booker in Oswestry was National Independent Bookshop of the Year in 2015. So it's a warm hello and welcome to Carrie Morris from Booker and Henry Lake from the Book Hive. Glad you can join us.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: Now, uh, for new listeners to the Bookseller podcast... We're asking these two for recommendations for readers who are on the hunt for their next favourite book. They might be after a literary heavyweight or a sporting biography. We'll find out in a minute. But before we talk about books let's talk about bookshops. Carrie uh, Booker hosts some fantastic authors Victoria Hislop, Kirsty Walk, John Lewis Stemple. What sort of bookshop are readers going to find if they head to Oswestry to track you down? They might not even know where Oswestry is. Well,
2: Oswestry is a lovely market town on the border of England and Wales and I think hopefully what they will find as they come through our doors is just a a really lovely welcome and a place that celebrates books and we're very much focusing on the shopping experience, the physicality of the book and the space that we are in. So, Hopefully, as they walk through the doors, the opportunity to browse and find things that they didn't know they wanted is what will hit them in the face.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure you should be hitting customers no. in the face, but I know what you mean. <laughs> exactly. um, and, o- and Oswestry itself? An old town? I should know it. My parents live fairly nearby in Church Stretton, but uh, I don't know Oswestry.
2: I mean, it is an ancient market town. Um, it has a very interesting history. It got its name from the battle between King Pender and King Oswald. And when Oswald was defeated, his body was hung, drawn and quartered on a tree. Oh, nice. And Oswald's tree became Oswestry. Oh,
0: mm. ah. Little history lesson, isn't that good? And Henry, I haven't been to Norwich for an age, an ancient city. Uh, Coleman's Mustard and Delia Smith and and the Book Hive, of course.
1: Yes, well, Coleman's Mustard famously has been bought by someone in Burton, and it may be becoming Coleman's of Burton, but we're all objecting to that a lot, but Delia's still here, (laughs) Uh, and so are we. Yeah, actually, it was was lovely hearing Carrie say that, because they are exactly the same sort of words that I would use to describe our shop which is kind of what i suppose we all want indies to be the kind of place that you want to be in just because you want to be in it and uh hopefully whilst you're there you will find something you didn't know you wanted i think that's that's what it's all about yeah
0: so that whole serendipity thing
1: exactly exactly and also making it a place you know norwich doesn't have any uh big industry anymore it never really did but it, it's a lovely lovely town to shop in with lots and lots of independents. so People come to uh, a city like this. I mean, it's obviously got its big writing pedigree with the UEA Creative Writing Course and the National Centre for Writings here. And if you throw a stone, you'll hit 15 writers with it, probably. But the uh, atmosphere of just hanging around in small shops in medieval towns is is a pretty cool thing to do just in itself,
0: really. Well, that's what we can all do for the weekend, then. Yeah, quite. Off to an ancient town. So now we know where you are, let's um, have a go at picking some books for our readers. So uh, here's the first one. So this is Joe. Uh, He's from Cornwall. He's a student. The last book he read was The Poppy War by R.F. Kuang, fantasy based on ancient Chinese history, and he reads a lot of fantasy books. And what he's looking for, funnily enough, sort of fantasy, I suppose, but a really good ghost story. He hasn't read anything exceptional since The Woman in Black, and he he wants to be scared. Oh, dear. Carrie, what are you going to scare him with?
2: So I have selected a book that I read a couple of years ago and it still haunts me, although it's not a ghost story. It's See What I Have Done by Sarah Schmidt. And it's a fictionalized retelling of one of America's most notorious murder cases from the 19th century. And I don't know whether you remember the skipping rhyme, Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 whacks. Oh, yeah. So that is the skipping rhyme that came from the notorious murder case. It is one of the most unnerving books that I've read. And there's a real sense of menace and horror from the outset. And it's narrated through four different voices. So Lizzie, who is the youngest daughter and the perpetrator of the murders. Um, Emma, her older sister, Bridget, the maid, and Benjamin, who is a visitor and stranger to the house. And I think the thing about the book that is so compelling is that it's clear what has happened and how it's happened. It's the why that the reader wants to know. I just found it very powerful. As a reader, you become a voyeur and there's this feverish and oppressive sort of narrative which makes it impossible to look away. So it will definitely make the hairs on the back of Joe's neck stand on end.
0: Oh, God. Is it a new book? How did you come across it?
2: It's been out for a couple of years, and we just ordered it in as a new title. It's a very creepy story as to how the author actually came to write the book. She was in the bookshop, and it was towards the end of the day, and a little booklet fell out from the shelf onto the floor and it was about the Lizzie Borden murders and she sort of took that away and read it and just decided that she had to find out more about it so she went and stayed in the house which is now a B&B and all of these sort of creepy spooky things conspired to making her realise that she'd got to write this story as a, a fictionalised account of it.
0: Whoa. <laughs> I don't care whether that's a true story or not that's a really good story.
2: <laughs> it is really good
0: henry are you going to out creep that
2: no
1: do you know what i'm going to go completely the opposite way because it was strange when i was reading this i was thinking oh well i haven't really read ghost stories per se or horror stories for a long time i tend to avoid them which is probably a bit silly and i was thinking about what i've read recently and this is going to sound almost like a bit of a cop-out because it's so new that literally we're all talking about it at the moment but i thought i happened to see him doing a talk last night as well and i I was thinking about Lanny, you know, Max Porter's new book.
0: That's Max Porter, yeah? Max
1: Porter, yeah, the new one, which is only just out. Now, for those of you who haven't read it yet, I urge you to read it anyway, but particularly for Joe, because I was trying to think about the elements of what scares you. Now, in ghost stories, there is the kind of blood-curdling, you know, what have you, but the suspense and the tension and the not-knowing, the terror of the unsaid, that, is not what is going on in Lanny but it is there and it's there with this presence of the mythical, this extraordinary character, this voice of dead Papa Toothwart that is almost like the spiritual personification of the land of this village, this unnamed village in um, in England and it's sort of set contemporarily but with this strange boy called Lanny of the title and his relationship with his parents and, and uh, one particular other man in the village and then I don't think it's too much of a spoiler to say that he goes. Lanny goes. And as we have got to know this character, of this voice of dead Papa Toothwall, who is this extraordinary voyeur who is literally seeping throughout the bricks and mortar of the village and the water in people's taps and the uh, almost the blood in their veins as he talks about gaining his prize. And we don't really know anything. And it is both beautiful and mystical and almost sort of born from the um, Albion myth, uh, but at the same time is about people and their relationships and indeed the relationships between fighting neighbours. And it doesn't quite meet the uh, criteria of a ghost story, but nonetheless, I think it has the qualities that
0: uh, that make that so attractive. I think that's a superb exploration of it as well I, it had been on my kind of ooh, yeah, I think I might get that so I shall definitely go and yes, get that yes. now so let's move on now from Cornwall to Devon uh, and Michael who's a teacher he's just finished A Monster Cause by Siobhan O'Downe and Patrick Ness which made him cry, sorry about that and he bought a copy for his mum so uh, well done Michael And his type of book tends to be books about human emotion. A Kite Runner is one of his favourites. Whether you can do this or not, I I don't know. But he's got synesthesia, Uh, so he sees sounds as colours. Anything that uh, touches on that and representations of it in literature, that might be a tall order. But but who knows? Carrie, what do you think?
2: Well, interestingly... um The book that I chose uh, to recommend is Lanny by Max Porter. (laughs) How funny. Because, (laughs) Because I was thinking it's a different way of experiencing a story. And in simple terms, as Henry has already said, it's a story of a village and the disappearance of a child. The reason I selected it is because it's incredibly lyrical and musical. And it's that sort of cacophony of voices from the village that sort of overlap. Intermingle, interrupt, that sort of really engage the reader and, and sort of provide a, the backdrop to a very sort of fragmented storyline. And it's the sort of the soundscape that propels the narrative forward. And, and I was just focusing in on sound and how that would kind of impact on Michael as the reader. So I thought that Lanny who is this shining light of goodness within his family and within the village. You know, he has a child that is full of imagination, curiosity and sort of promise and sort of stands out from all of the others. And he sings, he collects, creates and sort of immerses in himself in the natural surroundings. And it's that innocence and that sort of sense of adventure that results in his sort of disappearance um and it's certainly been one of my favorite reads of the year so far and i love the way that max porter plays with form and the words and phrases swirl over the page so as well as being you know it's a very sort of visual uh read as well as a very sensory read i think
0: well we've had duplicates before but not for different people for different reasons Mm -hmm. but (laughs) i think last month on the podcast we ended up having um Tessa Hadley month where everything seemed to come down to a a recommendation so I think we're going for a Lammy month this month. So um, Well that's no bad thing Yeah it's not (laughs) is it? No So Henry?
1: Yeah Carrie that's brilliant by the way I think that's such a good interpretation of this really quite difficult request we were saying in the shop today it is really difficult this, well actually what you do quite a lot of the time as booksellers is that people come in and they say something like that and really you just steer them completely in the opposite direction I've done that a bit here, picking up the phrase he used at some point that he was interested in books about human emotion, which is where he mentioned the Kite Runner, and also the fact that he is in Devon. And it made me think of uh, one of my favorite authors is Tim Pears, who I've for years called Tim Pears, but actually it turns out he's called Tim Pears, only discovered recently. He wrote a book called In the Place of Fallen Leaves, and it's set in Devon in a tiny little village And it's about a girl becoming a woman, almost, leaving her childhood years in the midst of this sweltering, sweltering hot summer and in the rural community that she lives within and her family and the farmers and the people around her. And it is just, it it is a most glorious, beautiful piece of writing. And it is about that emotional connection between people. And as you begin to realize that the world is a different place that you always thought it was. And I want to mention it particularly because, Anyone who has missed out on this book, which I've been forcing into people's hands for years, should absolutely love it and then should try Tim's new trilogy. The last one came out uh, earlier this year uh, because it's absolutely brilliant and he is
0: a writer who i think everyone should know well funnily enough i was particularly taken because the trilogy's the the west country trilogy isn't it the, that's right the, yeah and i was just browsing in a bookshop uh, a couple of weeks ago and saw the first book in the series i can't remember the name of the, the horseman horseman sounds familiar yeah um and I thought it sounded absolutely amazing. But I wasn't sure about the trilogy, whether I committed to buying all three in one go or whether I should just start off with one of them.
1: Well, I would say that it makes no difference because you're going to end up buying all three if okay. you bought the first yeah. one anyway, so you, you could. But I would also say, you know, that this place, in, uh, this sorry, this book, In the Place of Fallen leaves is well, well worth searching out as well. It's a much older book, but it's available now. They're all back in print, so... That
0: was my recommendation. Oh, that's a good one. So, Tim Piers, and it's Piers, not Pears. And, right, we're going up to the north of the country now, to Esther from Cleethorpe. She's a mum, and the last book she read was You Left Early by Louisa Young, which she found really, really good. And she's reading a lot of memoirs at the moment, and family memoirs on how people get over, or they don't, uh, what happens to them. It's, that's what she's interested in. So... We're going up to you, Carrie and Booker, aren't we?
2: We are indeed, yes. Um, the book that I have selected to recommend is Heartburn by Nora Ephron, which actually is not a memoir, but it is an autobiographical novel and it's based in the disintegration of a marriage. So the main character, Rachel, discovers when she's seven months pregnant that her husband is having an affair but throughout the story as well as the sort of the current trauma that she's experiencing there are references to Rachel's sort of upbringing and her parents and that all contributes to the texture and backdrop of her, her sort of family situation and, and helps go some way to explain how she manages to pull through this, the grief and trauma of this relationship meltdown. For me, it's sort of Nora Ephron's wry, deadpan humour that makes it tragic but also bearable. And she does this amazing thing of interspersing a selection of comforting recipes that help give the protagonist And also the reader, some reprieve as this sort of awful situation is unraveling. And I just describe it as a short, sharp novel that sort of shows all of those stages that Rachel endures. So shock, anger, heartache, acceptance, which then finally sort of allows her to move on. And I think it's a book that should be read and reread while sampling all of the recipes. So <laughs> <laughs> it's a complete emotional roller coaster. Yeah, but it, it does. It brings comfort and hope out of a sort of awful situation.
0: I do like the sound of that, and not just for the recipes as well. <laughs> um, Henry, what were you going to recommend for Esther?
1: Well, I've got a, actually a couple of suggestions oh. Um, oh. here. And because um, the first one I've got is a novel actually. Uh, it came out a couple of years, well, maybe three or four years ago. It's by Benjamin Johncock. It's called The oh, Last Pilot. Yeah. Um, and it's an absolutely wonderful book. Set in the 40s in the middle of the Mojave Desert and the dry, hot, barren landscape that uh, you associate with that, but also this extraordinary thing that's going on, which is all these US Air Force test pilots who are testing out jet speed planes. And they're living out there in that community and having this extraordinary juxtaposition in their lives in this sort of creeping, burning, hot, slow ground life, and then they're up in the air going at supersonic speeds. But in the middle of it, one of the jet pilots who's there with his family, they lose their baby. And that's halfway through the book, and then the rest of the book is about that, really, but carrying on with his extraordinary um, other life of living at a Mach 2 in the sky while this tragedy is unfolding underneath. It's his debut, and it's just the writing is superb, and it's dry and sparse and it crackles and it's just a really
0: exciting book that's really nice because at the book said we know benjamin a bit i remember when he was first talking about that book as you say it's a couple of years ago now so i mean to hear that sort of coming back as a recommendation from an indie he will be so chuffed with that
1: it's great and it i don't know how well it did commercially but every single review it got was a kind of five star standout review and uh, his second book is yet to come, but I know it's in the pipeline, so I hope it's as good as the first because it is a stunning book. It really is. Everyone should get that. Um, and I wanted to recommend just one other little one, and I'm going to put my hand up and say that I published it, but that's not why I'm mentioning it. It just seemed to fit very well with this. It's a memoir by an artist called Nikki Looted and the book is called New Year's Day is Black. And it's a painted memoir. It's almost like a scrapbook. It's all paintings and handwritten text over the paintings but she grew up in the sort of bloomsbury set as a child and it was all really really actually appalling being a child in that generation you were there not to be taken any notice of frankly and some horrific things happened to her and yet throughout her life and still to this day she continues to carry on through life with great grace and talent and an admirable way of turning that awful tragedy so many tragedies actually into a really wonderful reassuring reaffirming message about how to live one's life and i think it's a really wonderful piece of work so that will be a non-fiction
0: well those have been absolutely great and one of the things that we like to do before we have to say bye to you is just to get from both of you that kind of one book at the moment where if someone comes into your shop you just don't want them to leave without a copy of it tucked under their arm. So, Carrie, what are you going to force upon people, whether they like it or not?
2: <laughs> well, one of the books that is a perennial bestseller for us is Deep Country by Neil Ansell. And we oh, always yeah. have a stack of it on the table. And I think, you know, where we're located, is just the perfect book for us to be cutting into people's hands and saying, you know, you really must read this. And it's his memoir of the five years that he spent in the depths of the Welsh countryside with no electricity, no running water. And it's sort of a quiet book. It recounts sort of the day to day, the passing of the seasons, but also Neil himself as he immersed himself and became part of the nature and wildlife surrounding him over those five years and it's just beautifully written and it's a book to go back to as well to sort of have and sit and meditate over it it's just stunning and we we love it
0: I think that's a perfect bit and I like Neil's work he's also written I think it's Deer Island uh, about his time on Jura yeah Uh, Yeah. and I think the the, The Last Wilderness where he's he's losing his hearing um, hmm. lovely book I've been meaning to get the book that you mentioned for absolute yonk so next time I'm up in Shropshire I'll whiz up to you and I'll buy it in Booker <laughs> buy it in Booker that's a good slogan <laughs> buy isn't it, in it? <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> um, and Henry what are you going to um, shout about to customers daring not to buy it
1: yes anyone who's going to take care of suggestion will also enjoy this it's serendipitous really it's I'm not even sure it's out yet I can't quite remember but I'm reading it at the moment it's called The Way Home by Mark Boyle and Mark wrote a great book called The Moneyless Man about his time where he decided to live without money, either making it or using it or spending it. And uh, Molotov Cocktails with Gandhi, he wrote as well. And anyway, this is his book about living in the wilderness. (laughs) He separates himself entirely from the world of technology, by which he means anything to do, not just having a phone or computer or internet or television, but anything that is a sort of subsidiary of that. And he and his girlfriend at the time, live in Ireland where he lives on the west coast of Ireland in a log cabin that they build. But it's not a meditation about the experience of that. It's also an examination of the whole process of how we came to need or think we need that crutch in our lives so much. And he refers to, you know, to Thoreau and Walden and Wendell Berry and all of that. And it, you know, it's so timely and there are so many books of this ilk at the moment but this is a standout for me i think because not only is he a great writer it's not just a gimmick he's not just saying oh i'm going to unplug for a few months and see how it goes he studied business at university he was a businessman in bristol for years but inside something has been building up in him for years to get to this point and he does it and basically he's saying we can do it and and we probably should, and look at us as a species. And uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful book. If it's not out yet, it's out any day, and uh, I recommend that to everyone as essential, life-saving reading.
0: <laughs> I was actually about to say something a bit ruder, but um, you, you can't. Life saving reading. We'll, we'll take that. And uh, okay. as I remember saying last time, so if you want to pre order the book, you can pre order any book from any indie. You don't need to go elsewhere online. Just phone up your indie or go to their website. That's been a wonderful selection of new reads and every time we produce a new podcast i'm blown over by the knowledge and the enthusiasm of our, our lovely indie bookshops thank you both so much and we better let you get back to your shops now had not we so have a great week ahead
1: thank you thank very you. much